speeder. same setup as last time. Um, there's a starter question and there's a little video and then some questions that we will discuss and talk about um, and uh, go from there. So, let's, uh, so the question today is, so this can be from a uh, during your school days, work days, friend groups, or even different events that maybe you have been to, when have you felt left out or excluded from something? <coughs> soccer games. Soccer games at school. You can play soccer? Soccer was one of the sports I could play. I couldn't do the football or the baseball or I tried and I can never hit the ball and I can never catch the ball and <laughs> I couldn't run very fast. So I was excluded from sports most of the time. Probably why I fell in love with music and band. That was something I could be a part of. Hmm. But we have two sports. Cool. I wasn't, you know, I was always the kid with her face in the books mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Now, when they needed help with their homework, I was their best friend, but right. other than that, it was, and I would do, you know, my schoolwork and get my school stuff done, and then I was at home, and then I had a appendicitis attack, and then everybody wanted to be only my friend after that. So it took something to get you included, but before that... You were yeah. just kind of there, and that really included in yeah, that was the school just... activities all the time. Yeah, I can well, see that. My fun time was when I'd go out with a couple of guys going fishing. They'll catch all the fish, and I don't catch anything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but <laughs> yep. I'm sitting there watching, and I said, "So I finally moved down where they are, and I'm on the on the opposite side." Yep. And I still don't catch anything. So and I said, ah, I threw my fishing pole in the I said, this, this pole ain't doing me any good. So I... Yeah. I guess, I guess you can say, you say excluded from. Excluded from, yeah. When have you felt left out or excluded from something? Family. Yeah. Yeah. And you just didn't know who they were. Yeah. You know, we didn't, I didn't know who they were, so you just feel left out of. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, that happens too. So no one likes rejection. It's never a comfortable feeling like an outsider. But it might surprise you to know that it's part of our identity as Christians in this world. That is one of the main themes of First Peter, exile. In Christ, we have become citizens of heaven, and our hope is no longer our hope no longer lies in our lives today, but it's the second coming of our Savior. So, look at our Bibles at First Peter. Somebody wants to tackle all 25 verses, they can. If not, we'll split it up. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 1. 
1 through 25. A volunteer that wants to start reading, and then we can split it up, or if you want to read all the way, you can. 125? 1, 1 through 25. 1 Peter chapter 1. 100, 125 verses. It was just 25. Mm. You gonna start? Yeah. Um, yep. 1 1. First Peter chapter 1, yeah. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect exiles scattered throughout the province. Apontus. Galatia. Galatia. Cappadocia. Cappadocia. Asia. Asia. And Bartania. Bartania, thank you. <laughs> I'll say that last one. <laughs> Who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient of Jesus Christ sprinkled with his blood. Praise to be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the saying of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that he could never perish, spoil, or fade. The inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith is shielded by God's power until, they, until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be re revealed in this last time. And all, all this you greatly rejoice through now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come to the, yeah, the prevent generously of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even through refined by the fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor of Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him, now you believe in him and fill with an expressible. expressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, salvation of your souls. You want me to finish? Yep. <clears throat> of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time. The Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed that not to themselves but to us they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, 
conduct themselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by traditions from your fathers, but with the precious blood as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Because all flesh is its grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass weathers, and its flowers fall away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Amen. Amen. That's good. Plymouth Rock is where the Mayflower Pilgrims arrived, and these English people would come and colonize New England in 1620. And as they approach this new world on a boat, there's just so much they don't know. There's so much they're not prepared for. They were coming to have the freedom to worship God, but life in this new world would be very different from what they were used to. And we're going to be studying the book of 1 Peter in the New Testament together. And Peter writes to Christians who are learning to live out their faith in a whole new world. Because of persecution, they have been scattered across Rome. They're foreigners, they're aliens, they're strangers, and Peter wants them to be prepared. Maybe he wants them to be ready to face the difficulties and the opposition that's going to come their way. He doesn't want them to be surprised by suffering and persecution. In fact, here's what we'll see. He wants them to see incredible opposition as actually an incredible opportunity to live out their faith and to show the difference that Jesus makes. So in this life, Jesus offers us many things, right? He offers us hope and peace and forgiveness of sins and abundant life. 
But you know what? He also promises us suffering, and he promises us sorrow. In his last days, Jesus tells his disciples, Truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You're going to be sad while it seems like everybody else is throwing a party. What's Jesus doing here? He is telling them of suffering, inevitable suffering that will come their way because they've chosen to follow him. Jesus put it this way, in this world you will have trouble. But Jesus declares to his disciples and he declares to us, take heart, I have overcome the world. So Peter, of course, was one of the disciples who would have heard these things directly from Jesus. And now, years later, he's writing to fellow Christians in this letter called 1 Peter, and he writes to Christian exiles, and he begins this way in verse 1. He says, to God's elect, to God's chosen, exiles who are scattered throughout. And so, right from the beginning, Peter uses identity language. He knows that if they know who they are, then they'll know how to live. And so he tells them, you are God's elect, but you are also exiles. You are God's chosen people, but you're also suffering. A few verses down in verse 6, Peter tells them, now, for a little while, you will suffer grief and all kinds of trials. Like Jesus, Peter expresses the reality that as Christians, we will experience suffering. Trials will come our way. Sorrows will be a part of living in this world. But notice there's a qualifier here. I love this. Peter says, they'll only last for a little while. Specifically here, Peter is writing to Christians who are experiencing persecution. And so Peter is writing to them for two purposes, to give them a warning and to give them encouragement. You will face opposition, but there is an opportunity here to live out your faith and to show the difference that Jesus makes. And so Peter's words were timely, right, for his original readers, but they're timely for us today as well. His counsel was helpful to them, but it's helpful for us because we just don't always know how to respond when someone disagrees with what we believe or maybe they mock us or make fun of us. The audience that he was writing to, these Christians, and they were going to face an overwhelmingly difficult future. And so he reminds them, hey, this world is not your home. In verse 3 and 4, here's what Peter says. Praise be to the God and Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, can never spoil, and never fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. So Peter speaks here about a living hope. He says it doesn't perish. That means it can't be touched by death. He says it won't spoil. It's not going to be contaminated by sin. It doesn't um, fade, so it won't erode with time. We have a new life and a living hope because we have an inheritance that's been secured, and it's with him forever in heaven. And so our new life in Christ gives us a birthright. It's uh, our right to one day be with him. And we hang on to that tight with both hands when the trials and the suffering of this life start to come our way. So we'll see this as we study the letter together. Peter's going to challenge these Christians about how they are to live in an increasingly hostile culture, that how we live comes from who we are. If we can cling to the hope of our, our true home, if we can begin to comprehend our inheritance, then, then we'll be able to have strength and persevere. Peter explains that this living hope should translate for Christians into joy. Verse 6, he says simply, So be truly glad. And this is one of the things we'll see in the book of 1 Peter, that suffering and joy can be experienced simultaneously. 
In other words, Peter doesn't say, look, life's miserable and you're going to hate it here, but one day you'll be joyful. That's not what he does. Instead, he puts those things together and he makes the point that suffering and joy because of Christ can actually coexist. These trials will also show that our faith is genuine. Maybe you've heard it put this way, this world is not your home, you're just passing through. Our hope is not in this world, our hope is in our salvation. It was announced through the prophets. Peter says it was shared with us through the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 10 and 11. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah, but also the glories that would follow. Our hope through our sufferings has been known about even throughout the Old Testament. It was prophesied, it was fulfilled in Christ. And the point is that none of this is a surprise to God, and so it doesn't need to be a surprise to us. It doesn't catch God off guard. It doesn't have to catch us off guard. God will not waste suffering. And as Peter says, in the end, it will result in something beautiful. It results in salvation for our souls. So, suffering is our reality here, but salvation is our reality there. The question is, what do we do in between here and there and two things Peter is going to underline for us throughout this book, that we live holy, we love others. First, because we are God's chosen people, because he is our Heavenly Father, we should live according to that identity. We should seek to live holy lives because God's holy. Here's how Peter puts it in verse 14. He says, be obedient children. Don't conform any longer to the desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so you be holy in all you do. For as it is written, be holy because I am holy. The word holy literally means to be set apart, to be separate. So there should be this distinctiveness in how we live. But that's hard for us because by human nature, we don't necessarily want to be distinct. We don't want to be on the outside. We want to be on the inside. We don't want to be left out. We like, we like to be included. We want to be a part of things. And so it's difficult to live a holy life when you are increasingly finding yourself in the minority. But Peter reminds us that, hey, look, this is who you are. You're God's children. You've been chosen. You are included in his family. And because God is your father, you don't live in a way that conforms to the world, but rather you live in such a way that is a reflection of who you are as God's children. We live holy. Second, he's going to make the point that we love others. We love others genuinely. Look at verse 22. He says, now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply, and then he adds, from the heart. Meaning not just because I'm telling you to, but because you genuinely do care for one another. How do we do that? And when you're suffering, the tendency is to put the focus on yourself. But Peter's saying, no, you put the attention on other people. So maybe you write a note, or you share a word of encouragement, or you make a meal, but we let people know that we love them, that we're praying for them, that we're thinking of them. Why? Because God's our Father. It's what we do. These are our brothers and sisters, and it's what it looks like to be a part of their family. So, brothers and sisters, remember who you are. Our behavior flows from our identity, and how we live is determined by who we are. As Christians, we are exiles on this earth, but we are citizens of heaven, so we spend our time on this earth, living holy and loving others.
lots of good information in there. So now going back, thinking about the question that we answered at the beginning. If you were where you are today, back then, would that situation look different? Would you reach out differently in the situation that you were in as far as being a Christian now? Would you seek, would you write the cards to those classmates that you were there? Would you pray for the classmates that maybe excluded you? Would you pray for the family that you didn't know or that excluded you? Would we pray for uh, the teams that we couldn't be a part of, but they excluded us anyways? Would we, would we try to reach out uh, to be Christ-like, let them know that we were different? Relationships do believers have to the world in which we live in? Relationships do believers have to the world in which we live? We have family out there that there's some believers and then there's some that, that aren't. So I consider those still relationships. But I think it's up to us to still remain Christ-like and pray for those, all, you know, for everyone, mm -hmm. but um, I have a sister who some days she's a Christian and other days, oh, she is not, mm -hmm. but um, that doesn't mean I'm going to give up on her or anybody else. I'm going to pray for her. I'm going to love her. You know, even when she's in her most nasty of states, that's when I, I feel I have to pray for her and love her the most. Right. Yeah, we have to step up to the plate, right? Because they, um, they may not understand how to pray to God, first of all. They may not understand even the love that He has for them. But if we're praying on their behalf, something will happen in their life eventually that will show that there's a higher power, first of all, and that somebody else loves them, and Christ loves them as well. I think by setting an example, being an example, uh, walking in the right ways, and if we tell them something that God's Word say, we should live it. Mm -hmm. I really believe we should live by example of, because it's unsaved people and it's saved people that are watching us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You all know, right. so I believe that we should walk the walk and not just talk about it. You know what I'm saying? Don't just talk it, but walk it. The way you said that, my grandma always used to say, you have to walk the walk, talk the talk, yeah. and be the, the person Christ wants you to. Well, that just brought chills to my body. Because <laughs> that's what she would yeah, because people watching you. You know, yeah. I've heard and seen times when people believe that she's supposed to be a Christian or he's supposed to be a Christian or a pastor and doing and saying that. Mm -hmm. You know, so we, we do. We just have to be careful. Even when there's no one around, yeah. we, we, we have to set an example still for our families and for me as a wife, as him for my husband, him as a husband for me. Because God watch everything that we do. We, You know, we could have the world blind, 
you know, mm -hmm. with the things. But God is who we should worry about. Like I told my sister one time, she she had stopped smoking for a while. Then she started back and she would run and hide from me and smoke that cigarette. I said, I'm not the person you run and hide from with that cigarette. I'll pray for you. I said, but you do, do you know God see you? She was more afraid of what the world saw than she was, was with what God was watching her and seeing. You know, I said, you're deceiving yourself, you know. So I believe to, to be an example, we have to walk the walk. Well, I know I got a grandson. His name is Tommy, too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but this kid gets himself into a lot of trouble. Mm -hmm. He, he don't want to have respect for anybody. Matter of fact, one day he was going to hit Grandma. You know. Yeah. Hit her. Knock her out. Mm. And then he told me the same thing. He says, I'll get you too. And I told him, well, then I, I think you need to get out of my house and don't come back. Yeah. And he hasn't been back. <laughs> so... We just keep kind of praying for him every, yeah. every now and then, you know, because the last time I found out, he was in jail somewhere, mm. locked up. Yeah. I think you knew about that, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yes, we have to live what the life that Christ has given us, um, and like you, you couldn't put it any clearer. Walk, talk the talk, walk the walk, and. You know, set the example. Um, are we always gonna be perfect? No. Mm -hmm. And they're not gonna understand that when we make a mistake, it's gonna happen because we're not mm -hmm. perfect. Christ was the only one that could be perfect. Mm -hmm. And things are gonna happen. We're gonna we're gonna get angry about something. We're gonna get upset about something. We're gonna yeah. You know, sometimes we start saying something before we even stop and think about it. Mm -hmm. And. But see, what a Christian, it, our, our thing is to show unsaved people and other people that God lives inside us because it's some things that if we do it, of course we're going to do things, but a Christian, it should bring on conviction. Right. See, sometimes unsaved people, they don't care. You know, I don't care what I do, but a saved person should feel something inside the Holy Spirit in you, so you should feel convicted. You should want to go and repent. You know what I'm saying? So. Right. That's the difference, and I think in the unsaved and the saved. Saved people yeah. just don't keep doing the same thing repeatedly over and over, saying, "God forgive me, I'm sorry." Over and over. That's not true repentance. Nope. It's not. Like you said, we're not gonna be perfect, but because nobody in the world ever walked the earth that was perfect, but Jesus. But and we gonna make mistakes in life. But the Christian feel if I go to want to say or do something wrong. Like say for instance, if I want to rob a Brinks truck right. or a bank, you know, mm, that look good. That sound good. Oh, look, I got my chance to rob a Brinks truck. You know, conviction should come into my heart right away. Yeah, I mean, right away, it should bring on conviction. And I should repent and say, God, I'm sorry. for Take that thought away from me. When an unsaved person probably will just go through with doing it. Don't don't even care what people think. They just want to get rich quick scheme, you know. So, right. yeah. Right. Kyle says two things uh, during the video. Uh, what two things does Kyle say we experience simultaneously as Christians? Joy and suffering. Yes. Mm -hmm. 
you're going to have the joyful days, and we're going to suffer along the way. Along the way. There's no way around it. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have hardships, we're going to have trials, we're going to have temptations. Um, but along the way, we have the joy, and then we have the, the faith uh, in our Lord Jesus Christ that each day he'll bring us through those trials and sufferings that we have, do have to go through. Um, some days we just feel like giving up, but we don't have to because we know that there are brighter days ahead and uh, we can keep moving forward as Christians. Um, what are two responsibilities Peter tasks his readers with? Things that Peter is challenging us with to to show love and to to live holy. Yes, that's the, one of the key verses. Was there there to uh, uh, live holy? I want to sleep on me. Uh, you have respect for everybody. Respect for everybody, yes. Just as you are called, is you be, you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. Mm -hmm. And to love the brethren. Yes, set our hope on grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed in his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. See, that's why I put down was to show grace. Yeah. Yeah, there's several answers I mean listed there because they just wanted two challenges that Peter listed out. Have faith, show grace. Yeah. Yeah. What did he say? Don't fight among yourselves. Yeah, don't fight amongst yourselves. Yeah. We as Christians, like this family, yes, we're a family, and we're going to have disagreements, but we should try not to fight amongst ourselves as a family. Um, there are going to be things that happen that we may disagree on, but we try to move forward, right? Because we uh, we have the love of Christ, so we're trying to, to show that love in all ways possible, but there'll be disagreements. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I haven't heard of any yet, but... <laughs> If there are any disagreements, nobody's told me. So. <laughs> um, but it's still early yet. I'm still new. <laughs> well, I've got a granddaughter that I haven't even seen yet. And she lives back east. But her and I get on the phone every once in a while and we'll just sit there and talk for about an hour. Oh, that's you know. Nice. Mm -hmm. She, she wants to find out what's going on with me, and I want to find out what's going on with her. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Mm -hmm. That's good, though. Because she, I know she's 13 years old. That's all I know. And she's got five brothers that live in the house with their mom and dad. You know, so she's the only girl oh, outside of her mom. All the boys. You know, so she just tells me, she's, oh, I'm not feeling good today. I I get to fight, you know, with one of the boys or something. 
That's going to happen. <laughs> well, well, they they tease her, you know. Yeah. And stuff like, you know, when she was younger and she was just, you know, starting to get her breasts and stuff and yeah. things like that. And the boys would tease her and everything else. And then when she would get her period, same thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when you're the only girl in there outside of your mom and you got five brothers, I mean, you know, and they're all older than you are, you got to put up with the crap. Yeah. You know, and then you just got to go into your bedroom or into the bathroom and sit there and pray for them. Yeah. Say, I wish they were totally different. <laughs> Well, the book of First Peter carries all the pastoral warmth of an apostle who had seen just what the world thought those who followed Jesus had learned to live well despite it. it ma- it's a message hope. It's a message of hope in the midst of darkness, encouragement in the midst of exhaustion, and promise in the midst of world struggles. Uh, what are some examples of ways that you have felt? like an outsider because of your faith? You know, um, as I got older, when I was a child, and, and, and I would say it's a lot of things I still didn't quite understand, and I think a clear understanding is where your heart should be to, mm-hmm. to understand and know. But I never did feel like I was the only one in my family that was saved. And I, but I was not the only one in my family that went to church. But right. I was the only one that got saved. As you know, as I was old and started really understanding what to be saved, what salvation meant. Mm-hmm. And I never really felt like I was felt like I was an outsider because at the time I understood and knew that I had other Christian brothers and sisters that felt and believed the same way that I did. And then I did understand that unsaved people gonna always shut you out. They're going to always have something basically negative to say. Most of them will, you know. So <clears throat> I, did, I never really felt shut out by them because yeah. I felt in my heart that what I was doing was really right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't think it was a, 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 sh- a shut out thing because of my situation, but God did a shift as as I got serious with, with him he began to replace individuals with other individuals. Uh, you know, one, uh, you know, taking away uh, a father in the house and giving me a spiritual father, uh, mending a relationship between son and mother, bringing that relationship to a whole to a healing process, uh, forgiveness of family and bringing a new family in from a church family. So it it wasn't necessarily uh, uh, a shut out thing. God just replaced them. And, And then he healed the relationship. But even though we can't, uh, you know, be together because they don't believe like I believe, uh, and the ones that do, uh, you know, we have a 
relationship, but the ones that don't, God replaced them with a church family. You, you see what I'm saying? So, and, and it just never did. Wouldn't that that shut out thing? And they never had that shut out between them because they they never did push me away. They just know that I just didn't go that way any longer. Right. So. They just stayed away from me because they didn't want to hear what I had to say. So mm -hmm. they just stay away. You know, yeah. when they see me, it's, hey, uncle or brother, you know, it's good to see you. Now I got to go because I know what you're going to start talking about. I don't want to hear it. So <laughs> I I'm see gonna... it. Look, you look good. <laughs> but, but I got to go now. I'll see you later. Right. So, you know, I want to hear about the good news. Yeah, yes, yes. You my know, family, to my family totally it. shut me out. I hadn't heard, heard from nobody in my family for yeah. two years. Yeah. They totally shut me out for two years. They wouldn't talk to me. They called me crazy. Um, I got a brother that's an atheist. He told me that the white man wrote the Bible. I don't believe the Bible because I'm just because I'm a homosexual and I'm gay. That's what they want to say and call us names and you know. So it was it was a lot. So my family shut me off for two years from, yeah. and told me that I was brainwashed and I go to cult, uh, churches a cult and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, see, Peter, my, son, my sons are like that. They don't. Mm -hmm. They think because it was written by man. Right. They don't understand. <laughs> yeah. God breathed. They I don't understand, understand the God breathed part. The God yeah. is part. So. Right. Yeah. I, and I told them, and I don't, and I know that was God really just put it in there because afterwards I just stood there like, yeah. what just happened to me? <laughs> I told them, I says, you better get it on the That's wagon right. now because once you're gone. Yeah. You're going to find out when the fiery gates of hell That's comes right. and swallows you guys up. And they're like, well, thanks, Mom, for that vision. I said, you're welcome. <laughs> right. That's right. See, they knew it was something different. Yep. They, 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 they was glad for the something different because they knew me before. Right. You see, my family knew me before. Where I come from, what I was doing, how I was doing it, and everything. So they knew it was something different. They just glad that it's different for me. You just you just stay with it. It's good you doing it, man. But don't bring it to us. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You just glad it's good for you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Peter's letter was not written to instruct believers if they experience suffering, but when they experience it. Suffering is a guarantee for a Christian life, but that should not be a source of discouragement for those who follow Christ. As Kyle explained, opposition provides opportunity. So, what opportunities do you have to serve other believers in your midst today? And how can you be an encouragement, especially to someone who may be suffering? So that's the, the last question on our page today. So, what opportunities do you have to serve other believers in your midst today? And how can you be an encouragement, especially to someone who may be suffering? I put uh, I would witness to him first of all, and then I would witness to him and tell him what Christ is being my 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 newfound father in life. Uh, what I went through, what my life was about, and how he turned me up my life around, and just give him a testimony and pray with him, and that's a way of getting them to have a choice right there if they want to 
serve God or just stay the way they are. That's you know, except getting saved right then and there, accepting Christ as their Lord and Savior. Just like what she was saying, when we volunteer to do things like mm -hmm. what we did with the school thing and like mm -hmm. that, you never know who's searching. That's right. Someone could be searching and not even know they're searching. I didn't know that I was searching when I got saved. Mm -hmm. And I went to go spend the summer with my grandma and she set me straight right with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you just never know who's coming in. Mm -hmm. And just, they don't even know what they're looking for. Yeah. And you get that one person coming up us. and saying, hey, you know, we have church here, we have this there. Mm -hmm. And it's like, before you know it, like he yeah. like he said on the video that that that, that struck me <laughs> real good was that God uses suffering mm -hmm. and God uses suffering and 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 when you have been through some stuff and and see other people see the rapping right now, but they don't know what you done been through, mm -hmm. and they don't know how God done brought you through some stuff. You know, you can you can look at my wife now, but you don't know the trials and tribulations that she done been through if she don't never tell you. Right. You, you don't know the surgeries and the, and, the, and the heartaches and the pains that she done been and through. And the horror. And the horror. Yeah, yeah. Unless she tell you. Yeah. And now other people can hear her story and gain strength. Right. Because the Bible say we... We overcome by the testimony of the saints, and, and and the word of God lets us know that we we need to hear each other's testimony, and that's how we can make it one more day. We can keep on going. So my my story is because I have a sister that 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 go through tremendous stuff, and 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 she don't know how wise she's even here and I tell her all the time you're a testimony to those that come into our house mm -hmm. that have to take care of her because she's bedridden uh, she, she, she has lupus and she's in dire pain all the time you can't hardly even get on the telephone most of the time because she's on mm -hmm. uh, high doses of, of stuff and you call her that she can't answer the phone or nothing. She got AIDS come in to take care of her. I was in a position where I could go over there all, all the time, but now I'm not. But she and, and and she don't know how she inspired the people that come into her house because she's always talking about God, how good God is for her and to her. And they just don't understand. How can God be so good to you and you like this? So, you know, God... That thing when he said God uses suffering, and and she done led many people to the Lord because of the way that she is. Yeah. So that's a wonderful thing. Sure is. Mm -hmm. well, with that, would you close us in prayer for this part? Sure. Thank you, Father God. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for Peter, and what he, what you inspired him to leave for us, Lord. Encouraging word, Lord, that. You are with us, and Lord, that your word has inspired us to live holy and love. And Lord, we just thank you. Now, Father God, as we go to continue worshiping in your name today, Lord, we just ask that we be not only just hearers, but doers of your word. Bless the speaker today, Lord. Let his heart be full of your Holy Spirit, Lord, and continue to use him as he go forth in you, Lord, and we thank you. 
Bless those that's coming, Lord. And, Lord, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.